Uh, it's so good to see you guys. I'm a little bit giddy like a schoolgirl today because I'm so excited about 2015. I know that's like the mainliest thing you can say is I'm giddy like a schoolgirl. So that's what I want to start out 2015 with. No, it's so good to see you guys. I'm just excited about this year. Uh, if this is your first time at Fathom, let me welcome you here. And I really pray that, that you really get a, a new perspective this year. That's what we're all after and just an eternal perspective for 2015. But we really hope that this is an incredible experience, an, an experience that you can uh, encounter the God that loves you and you can also encounter a new family and new friends that uh, God's put around you for a reason and to build you up in your faith. And so uh, we think the two, or the, the relationship with God and the relationship with his church, his body, are intimately connected, and we can't separate the two. Uh, we're not supposed to be doing it alone, so we're excited that you're here today. We have some very special guests all the way in the back of the room are my wife's uh, grandparents and her aunt uh, from Georgia and Ohio, respectively. And so it's so good to have you guys, and I just want to stop and, and give honor to whom honor is due. Um, Taryn and I are very blessed to come from Godly Heritage. I mean, all at our wedding day, we had all four sets of grandparents alive, all been married for like 50 plus years, and all serving God their, uh, their most of their adult life and have raised their children with just incredible faith. And so we're here because of, of you all and the, and the rest of our, our, our grandparents. And so I just honor you guys and thank you. So good to have you guys with us. Um, and so I'm just excited about 2015 and what this is uh, going to look like. I'm excited for several reasons. One, I'm going to be casting a lot of vision for Fathom Church in, in this year and in years beyond. But I'm also going to be teaching on one of my favorite texts. I have a lot, you might feel like I say that every week because I really have a lot of like really favorite texts. And so we're going to be going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 here in, in just uh, a moment, but um, uh, and it really, it makes up chapter 3 through chapter 5, but we're going to be focusing on, on chapter 4, and I'll be, I'll be sharing uh, more on vision. Uh, some of you guys, when you drive down the road, you're really good at driving while looking at your phone. Um, I'm just kidding. You're, you're probably terrible at it, and it's very dangerous, and you shouldn't do it anymore, um, but if you've ever noticed something about your car, can you imagine like uh, looking at your rearview mirror for 90% of the time? Um, there's a reason that it's probably, you know, 50 times smaller than the front windshield of your car. You probably never thought about the size, and I'm just making that statistic up that it's 50 times. So some of you math nerds that want to go check it, you figure it out. Um, don't have time for that. Um, but it's so much smaller. The rearview mirror is so much smaller. But how much of our life do we spend remembering the past and looking back at the past? And the, the, the front windshield of our life is so, should be so much larger. We should always be looking at what's right in front of us and what's ahead of us. They don't teach you in driver's ed except to check your rearview mirror every once in a while. Like when you're changing lanes or if you feel like lights come up in your back or, or watch for cops coming up. I mean, those type of things. But not really to be staring up there. We would be getting in terrible accidents. And I wonder how many terrible accidents we have in our life because we're so focused on the past. And so I really want to talk today about really the perspective of a believer and, and the, the one that God calls us to. And if, if anything, any kind of goals we should be setting for this year, any kind of resolutions, they should be eternal ones, not temporary ones. But so many times we set out the new year with some really good goals that we know we're going to break in about three weeks. Like uh, we'll, we'll you know, pledge to lose 10 pounds this year and we'll gain 20. Like, we'll set out to read five books, and we'll read, you know, less than we read this past year. Like, we won't read any. Like, we'll set out with all these good intentions, but they're so temporary. I don't know if there's anything else in our life that's more temporary than sometimes our New Year's resolutions. 
And so what I want us to do today is begin to allow the Lord to shape our heart and shape our perspective. As we look into this year, let's set some goals that aren't just going to be temporary, but some things that God has inspired. Because if God speaks and he inspires it, it's going to be so much easier for us to follow through and to carry those out with his help. Uh, and so I want to go, go, ahead, go ahead and jump directly into the text, into 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to spend a few moments. I'm going to, I know we're going through a chapter. I've gone through a whole book before, so you guys don't have to be too scared. Um, but we're going to work pretty quickly through this text, and I want to kind of pull out some things on what it looks like to have that kind of eternal perspective in this year, what, what it looks like to have some real eternal goals in 2015. So let's begin in verse, uh, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. This whole kind of chapter 3 to 5, you'll hear this ministry come up. We'll see it again in chapter 5 when we close today. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor we do distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the, the sight of God. I think this is the first place we need to kind of tap the brakes. And if we're really going to walk into what God has for us in this year and really have a, an eternal perspective, we've got to put the past in the past. We've got to renounce secret and shameful ways. And this may be the hardest one for some of us today because uh, we've been walking in a hiding place, whatever that might look like, whether it's that walking in loneliness or, or walking in some kind of addiction or pain, uh, the, and we've kept it a secret. God wants us to, to kind of pull the carpet back. Whatever we've been sweeping under the rug needs to come out. We've got to renounce those things and put the past in the past. I mean, again, go back to the rearview mirror. It's so much smaller I love what Philippians 3, uh, verses 13 and 14 says. Brothers and sisters, look, I have not obtained all this. I haven't, I'm not there yet. I, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, this is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. I forget what's behind. I strain toward what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If anybody had a past, Paul had one. He was, he was persecuting Christians. He was murdering Christians. Everybody knew about it. He had a past. He's like, I'm not there yet. I'm not in perfection. Like thing, I've got plenty of things on my New Year's resolution list, if you will. He said, but I've got to set those things to pass because we can feel like and we'll let our past haunt us and we'll continue in those patterns. I love what Galatians 5.24 says. That anyone that's, whoever's in Christ Jesus uh, is a a new creation, uh, but they've also, they've they've, uh, separated themselves and they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so it's walking in that new creation, not in the old, not in the past. And so we have to renounce secret and shameful ways. Let's continue reading. Uh, And even if our gospel is veiled, uh, because he has this, this whole idea of our ministry that we've been given, each one of us. And even if our gospel's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel um, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face of Christ. He's talking about pursuing Christ and the light that shines forth through him. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves or not from us. Uh, some of you guys may remember the old band, Jars of Clay. I think that's where they got it from. But I love how the King James 
puts this text. And it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That we're a vessel that God's flowing through as that previous text. As we look into the face of Christ, the light shines through us. It's a, it's a vessel. And renouncing those secret shameful ways allows the vessel to be pure and holy that God can work through. And we just have to really pause here, and if we're going to have this eternal perspective in 2014, it's not just putting the past in the past, but it's treasuring the present. It's treasuring, it's treasuring the grace and the glory of God. How many times when something comes up in our life, do we get so focused on the earthen vessel, right? We get so focused on how much we're hurting, and like, that's real. We've got to be real and honest with the pain. I think that's part of that renouncing the secret ways, being real and honest about what's going on. But it's also this idea of not treasuring the earthen vessel more than we're treasuring the glory of God and the power of God that's within us. So it's a matter of treasuring the the grace and the glory of God in this season. What would that look like on a daily basis for us to treasure the grace of God? Romans 6, 1 through 5, really speaks to this and and says, what should we do because grace grace abounds uh, in in our weakness? What should we do? Should we keep on sinning? And Paul's like, duh, no, you shouldn't keep on sinning. That's ridiculous. What should we do? So really, we've got to grab a hold of this and treasure the grace of God and not take it for granted. Treasure the glory of God that's shining through us. And that's really part of our perspective on a daily basis. What would it look like not only to put the past in the past, but in the present begin to treasure the grace and glory of God? Let's look down a little bit more, and I think this will begin to put some pieces together. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It's that part of that crucifying flesh, the passions and its desires. For we who are alive are always being given over to to death for Jesus' sake. He's talking about martyrdom and the early church was literally giving their life. They were literally being persecuted, not people bashing Christians on Facebook, but literally what we're seeing in the Middle East of cutting off Christians' heads that type of persecution. And in fact, some of the rulers, they'd put Christians' heads on a stake and it would line the town near kind of where the palace was. I mean, there was serious persecution that they're talking about. We're literally being given over to death. Someone was like, I feel like we're going to die. No, literally being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but, but life is too. It's written... I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that's reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. As we begin to get into vision, that's going to be a big idea for us, is that the grace that's reaching more and more people flowing through us. Verse 16, and we'll, we'll tap the brakes. Therefore, he says it again. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Most of us in our life, as we waste away on the outside, we're wasting away on the inside. Some of us may feel that in our bodies today. You may be battling a sickness or a disease or just the, the very reality of getting older and life and what that brings. 
And we may, or maybe our, our heart just feels very broken and we feel like we're wasting away spiritually or, or in the flesh. But, but really the, the joy of the believer is this promise and, and this, this amazing life we have in the presence of God where it's daily renewal. Though on the outside we're wasting away, on the inside we can be renewed day by day. Though like we're in the midst of this broken world that we live in, that doesn't say anything about what's happening on the inside of us. Though our bodies are mortal and they'll fail us, they're earthen vessels, though they break, what's happening on the inside is daily renewal. And I believe that's the joy of, of a, the believer. It, it, it's, it's the promise, it's the priority, it's the privilege of being a believer and walking with Jesus. And Allowing him to renew a steadfast spirit in us and to restore our soul. That's some things from the psalmist said, that he's the one that restores my soul. Like when I'm in the muck and mire, like he raises me above that, like on eagle's wings. And it changes perspective. I mean, you think about an eagle, and there's this idea of perspective. I love that. I mean, they're just, nobody messes with a bald eagle. I'm sure they have some kind of predator, but nobody really messes with a bald eagle. They can soar so high, and they see everything. I just love that kind of confidence when you see a bald eagle, which I actually saw one passing over the bridge um, coming back from the beach one day. Saw a bald eagle standing over there. It was just amazing. You don't get to see those much. I saw one sitting on the bridge, and it was just like so confident, so confident. But how many of us as believers lack confidence? And I think that the real statue or the stature of a believer is both humble and confident. It doesn't walk around with, with, with pride and arrogance, but it walks around with confidence because we know who we are in Christ Jesus. And I believe that happens through daily renewal. So many times we treat, um, we treat uh, our relationship with God like a trip to the grocery store. We'll go once a week, grab a few things we might need, as opposed to it being the daily bread that we go after every single day and it being what satisfies our soul. We, we only go to the well once a week, but we can't be intimate with Christ on a once-a-week visit. And so what I'm calling us to is this eternal perspective is not only putting the past in the past and, and, and being present and treasuring the grace of glory of God, but also making it a priority for daily renewal. It's no wonder we get beat down because we don't have Christ in our schedule. We don't have time with the Lord. We don't have time for that. And of all things that we should have time for, it's our relationship with God. If we don't have time, we need to make time. We need to get real and, and, and set some goals that are eternal, not just temporary in nature, that, but will sustain us in the darkest of nights, will sustain us through, as our bodies are wasting away. Let's continue reading. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I, I love that. When someone said, hey, your, your troubles are light and momentary, it's like easy for you to say, bro. <laughs> easy for you to say my troubles are light and momentary. But really, I, I believe what the, the text is, it's a perspective change. Are, is being murdered really that easy? Is being imprisoned really that light and momentary? No, it's, it really doesn't feel like it. But when you have the perspective that Paul has here and that he's teaching the church to have, it's understanding that it's achieving something for us far greater. That what we're going through here, and I, I love the way it says it in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Um, I don't know, if, do we have that up there? 
Yay, maybe, maybe not. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. You ever get done with something? I, I remember we ran a, um, a mud run. Uh, it was like a 5K. My dad was doing these things. We went to a, a mud run. And um, it, it would, it, I can just say, we're, we're both uh, um, a little bit out of shape. We may look like we're in shape, but as far as running and stuff, like the kid's life has like, some of you guys are just walking into that young kid's life, and it's like schedule, who can watch kids, we can get workout. It's just tough to kind of work with. Um, but I remember us going to this, and we're like, oh my gosh, we're so scared. But we did it, we pushed through. We, we just weren't sure like how in shape we were going to be for this. We pushed through, we worked together, just Taryn and I as a team. And after we got done, man, we, you just feel better. Like going after something and, and persevering through it, though it's tough and you just feel good. And like some of you are going back into the gym early this year. You're starting new workout routines or different things. Let that perseverance finish its work. Sometimes we quit so early and, and the eternal glory that's producing through that, we don't get to see ourselves as mature and complete because we're not persevering through it. So, so here's what I really want us to uh, say to us today is that every obstacle is a catalyst for God to produce in and through us more of his glory. Every obstacle, and some of us are, we're going to start 2015 with naivety that the things we ran into last year, we're not going to run into anything else this year. We're not going to have any battles. We're not going to have any mountains. We're, we're running into some of those kind of, I, I just call it naivety. And so I, I'd really say, don't, don't worry about that, but know that God's pers- um, the, persevering through these things. God's producing something in here us. Something that makes that look so light and momentary. You ever walk through a situation that was really tough and God's healed you and brought you through it? And you mean, I thank God for that. You can really look back and I thank God for that because it produced something in me that made me stronger, that made me more mature, more complete. I can go back to different points in my life that were the most difficult in my life. And, and I thank God for them. I do. I can look back and thank God because it's produced an eternal glory that, that, that's uh, allowed me to mature and become more complete, more like Christ. So know that every obstacle that we face this year, taking that, that eternal perspective to those obstacles, that God's going to produce something good out of it. Let's uh, go back and we'll finish this last verse. And I want to spend some time casting vision. So we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but on what's unseen. Since what's seen is temporary and what's unseen is eternal. We could go to a lot of temporary resolutions, a lot of temporary goals, a lot of things that are right in front of us. But I, I'm believing that really when we begin to take on an eternal perspective for 2015, and eternal goals, I really believe that it, we've got to begin to believe in the things that we don't see yet. God's placed some things that are in, in some of your hearts and dreams and visions. Maybe you had since a little child. Maybe they've just recent, recently and you don't even know how to put them all together. And I want us to begin to allow God to move and speak into those things. Allow God to, to speak, and as we focus on what's eternal, those things that will change eternity for not just ourselves and our families, but for those that will impact through the ministry that we've, we've been given, the mercy of God. And, and so I'd say let's focus on what's eternal. I love Matthew 6.33 says it best. I quoted it. I, I actually butchered it. I didn't quote it. I butchered it a few weeks ago. My brain was so loaded down. Um, but it's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things are going to be added to us. This year, as we go forward, like more than anything else, let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
God, what's right to you? What's right in your mind? What's right in your heart? Not making up a truth of our own and deceiving ourselves, as the very beginning of the text says, but really focusing on what's eternal. And I believe that it's going to produce greater things than what we could ever think or imagine if we'll just put him first. So that's my challenge to you today. We're going to come back to chapter 5, just the following chapter in just a few minutes. But just just think about these for just a moment. I'll ask you to post these back at the very end to just grab a hold of them. Renounce the secret and shameful ways. Treasure the present grace of God and the glory that's within us. And really make a plan for daily renewal. Make a real plan for daily renewal. When, you, when are you going to the well every single day to prime it? Because if you don't, it's going to dry up. Um, every obstacle is going to be a catalyst and focus on what's eternal. I want to switch gears a little bit, begin to share my heart for 2015 and beyond for Fathom Church. Uh, next week, we will have hit our two-year anniversary, which is mind-blowing. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, let's give it up. Come on. It's amazing. Um, so exciting, so exciting next week. Do you realize that 80% of churches don't make it to two years? 80% of church plants don't make it to two years. And so uh, you guys have been a part of, of something that uh, is making a difference in this community and around the world. Uh, and so I just want to, to share my heart for 2015. I want to begin right here in these first three months uh, of the year, in the first quarter, if you will. And something that God's really laid on my heart, and it really boils down to, if we're going to have a strong church we got to have strong families, strong singles, and, and really it's going to be built off of that. Some of you are, are single and your family isn't quite put, you know, put together, if you will, yet. Some of you uh, are, are divorced and your family looks different. Some of you may live with friends and your family is in another part of the country. Some of you, you know, are, are you know, it's just a, a young couple. Your family is whoever you're with, whoever your community is, that family that I'm talking about. We're going to be as strong as our families are. And I really want to, to preach through some really things that I feel like are a priority in these next few months because we're going to be as strong as our families are. And, and I really felt last year some of our families were really attacked. We were really attacked and really battling through a lot of things. So I want to make this a priority. So if, if you're kind of what you would call kind of pre-marriage or, 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 you know, in the single life, like lock on to some of these things as we begin to talk about family because they're going to change the course of your family. So we're going to do a series beginning next week called Welcome Home. Uh, and it's really just a focus on the family, and, and focus on the family, you guys get it, has nothing to do with that. No, but really um, a, a priority of, of what's happening in our families and, and, and living out um, our core values um, through our families, through our church family. Uh, it's going to be really fun. The, the month after that, we're really going to go uh, to a series on marriage, um, and not just um, marriage, but it's going to be called Blank Ever After. Um, and really, we're going to focus on singleness. Some of you that are single in the house are like, oh, the marriage series is going to be nothing. No, actually, the first message is right for you. And understanding that God has purpose for you in this season of your life, even though you feel like you're not where you want to be, like there's purpose in this season. Uh, we're going to speak to those that you've gone through a divorce recently or, or way in the past. We're, we're going to be sharing a, a message, a message uh, just right to, to where you're at and how we as a body can really speak life into those around us that have gone through those things. So we're going to be speaking a lot in, in, that, uh, in that month. And then we're going to go to a financial series in the month of March when everybody's getting stressed about taxes. We're talking about the ABCs of financial freedom and what the scripture says uh, about our financial life. And, and immediately you're going to think, oh, he's going to be asking something for us. You've got a big ask. Literally, it's not on my calendar. What is on my calendar is for each one of us to experience the financial health 
that God desires for us, the financial freedom that, do you know the Bible's so rich with financial wisdom and knowledge, and, and we don't even look at those scriptures because we think they're going to take something from us, but it's about really what God wants for us, not what he's trying to get from us. And so uh, that's really where we're going to start our, our first quarter of the year. It's really just a focus um, on uh, personal health and, and, and financial health, family health. Uh, it's going to be a big deal. So it was something that uh, a couple of months ago that God really uh, laid a vision on my heart for this year uh, has to do with people, reaching people. That's what this whole thing is about. The reason we moved here, the reason God called us here is because there's people that he wanted us to reach. You're part of that in this room, and we're, we're reaching people together. One of the things that I feel like God's put on my heart is for us to add 100 people to our body in 2015, add 100 people. Um, and I don't think that's a far stretch, but when you begin to look at the statistics and what that takes to really happen, the very practical things that need to happen is we have to have a lot more first-time guests that come here. We've got to connect with people. And, and really the, what that looks like is we need to have about 10 first-time guests every single week over this next year, beginning next week. So we have to establish an invite culture in our church. This is one thing I, I greatly regret about our church. It's been a family, a community environment. But one thing I, I don't feel like we've established as well as we needed to is an invite culture that every single one of us really sees ourselves as missionaries on a daily basis. I know everyone in this room would say, yeah, man, I get that. I'm, I'm with that, that God's called me. And we're going to look to some scripture here in just a second, 2 Corinthians, that will really just even promote that even more. But one thing I, I feel like we have trouble doing is, is getting verbal and knowing that one invite can change eternity for someone, and just us becoming an invite culture around here, that we're not afraid to invite people, we're excited to invite people, because what, what God can do in people's life is far greater than what we could ever even do in just a moment or conversation, just gathering them together and getting them in a place where, where God can really speak to them through the love and presence of his spirit here in this place. And so this is a, it's, it's a big goal. And like that's not one where, where Pastor Kyle goes out and tries to get 500 people in himself. That's literally just everybody in here trying to reproduce yourself. That's really what it is. Everybody in here just continuing to invite people. And, and I know that's a really frustrating thing, but only about one in 10 people will really respond to that. So you just got to keep asking. And so make it just a thing, every day I'm going to try to invite somebody. Come on, you're in the grocery store, you're, in, um, you're sitting down at Chili's and, and getting your food. Like, how easy is it just to say, hey, do you have a church home? Okay, cool, why don't you come hang out with me? Like, it's a really cool place, you guys are cool people, they'll want to come because you're cool. And like, and then God does amazing things. So establish this as a part of your own personal culture and walk with God. And that's really how we're going to see uh, the body built up here 100 people added to the church. I know that's a big thing, but we can do that, and it's just bite-sized, 10 people. We have that on some Sundays. Some Sundays we have zero, we have three or four, but some we have 10, we have eight and 10. We can do that if we'll work together and just keep on it. So that's not the only thing. Also, uh, within if we do that in the course of this year, we're going to have to add another service opportunity. Um, our, our parking's very limited. Um, we do really well with it. I mean, um, for, for what we have parking spaces, there's a lot of statistics out there that because of the parking spaces is all you can handle and, and, and work out. There's also statistics because of our, our nursery and how much people keep having babies around here, but that's great. You guys keep doing that. How much we keep having babies, there's statistics. We can't fit more kids in there, and so if we add those people, they got youngins, 
and they got cars to get here. And so two service opportunities is a reality that we're going to have to charge into this year, not be afraid of it, but get together and everybody just be passionate about reaching people in this city uh, for the cause of Christ. We're going to have to create new space for people and parking and kids. Uh, we could fit them in this room, but there's so many other spaces that we have to, to keep in mind. And really what that means is we've got to double our volunteer base. I've been so proud of our church from the very get-go that we've been um, very, uh, we've, as we didn't do great on the invite culture, we've done really good at creating a serve culture. That I, I think, you know, 60 to 65 percent of our people that attend Fathom Church serve at Fathom Church, which is incredible. Like every pastor in America wishes they could have those percentages. I'm serious. So we, you might see like certain statistics down within our church. That's one that's really high. And so we just want to uh, make this a part of our culture and doubling um, our, our serve base. If we're going to do that, then we've got to double our volunteer base. And I just want to encourage you, if you're in here and you're not serving, there is a place for you. You may not see it on the outside, but there's a place for you. And, and if God's stirring your heart in that today, just check on the very bottom. Everything, that, whatever gift you have, there is a place that God wants to use it here at Fathom Church. And I, I'm not saying this just to, to convince you, but we need you. We need you. And so, and we want you, so that's even cooler. Um, so provide two service opportunities, a real part of the vision this year. If we're going to achieve that first thing, reaching more people, 100 people this year, uh, adding to the fellowship, then we're going to have to create another service opportunity. And, and that can, some of us, begin to scare us, but let's just press in, let's do it together, and let's uh, watch what God does through this. Not only providing two service opportunities, but really the priority of really where we connect people and really where we're growing in discipleship is in our anchor groups, our anchor groups. Um, I love our anchor groups. Uh, some of you in this room have led anchor groups and, and have been a part of anchor groups. And we really believe it's really the heartbeat of Fathom Church. It's a place where our, both in our serve teams and our anchor groups are really the core places in which we're living out our mission statement, making disciples. We can do that on Sunday. I can do that through a message and worship, and God can do so much more than we can, but really in the life of our anchor groups. And so we, we've really been searching, God, how can we launch our anchor groups each season a little bit better and really grasp a hold as a, as a family, as a body of God? How can we really launch in and provide a sense of unity for each season? Because we separate them seasonally. So there's a, a spring season, a summer season, and, and a fall season. Um, and, and one of the things that we're going to do is, is, is a night called Together. It's a night of unity, worship, and prayer. Uh, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. And I know weeknights are, are not in our culture as a church, except for in our anchor groups, not really gathering together. And traffic is tough, and, and kids from school. And we've, we've got all kinds of lists of things to why it's tough to get here. But I want you to make this night, not next this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, the 14th, a priority, and be here. It's going to be a night of worship. Uh, it won't even be led necessarily by me. It's going to be completely led by just the, the Holy Spirit and, and people to come up and pour into our body, encourage us, um, and pray for us. So just a night to unify for this next season of our church and just watching what God does and really joining together as we launch our anchor groups. Uh, really, our goal is that everyone, and really the, the vision is that more people in the city would be attending our anchor groups than even what we have on Sundays. They would be missional outreaches. They'd be missional groups to our cities, to the people in our workplace where they might not step foot into a church, but they begin to grow in community, fall in love with people, and fall in love with Jesus at the same time. Uh, something that we've been really excited about uh, for this coming season is adding two service-oriented anchor groups. Something that we launched our anchor groups with the mind of to, to really um, 
our, our anchor groups serving, but we really begin to change the format in which we do that. We want our anchor groups to be built around fellowship, service, and growth in, in the scriptures. And, and so we, we, we started out like that, where it was all in one heading. And what we found is that was a little bit overwhelming for one person to manage and handle and it got kind of more stressful than easy. And so what we're, we've done as of last summer is we begin to split fellowship groups, and we begin to uh, split growth groups and service groups into three different groups. So we have a monthly men's uh, Bible study and fellowship. We have a, uh, a biweekly you know, mom's group to get together in fellowship. We have growth groups in different parts of the city, different nights of the week. And, but we haven't had these service anchor groups that some of our anchor groups had started places. But one of the places, some of you guys were involved with Metro Kids Connection at our Here for Good event. So we're going to be continuing that as a group, a monthly group. We're also going to be picking up um, where we left off with Ronald McDonald House and serving meals to those that are going through a really tough time. And we've just watched God do really amazing things through that relationship. So we're picking that back up and continuing. So service-oriented anchor groups. So lots of fun things within the vision of our anchor groups this season. Um, Not just that, but really the the core of a a church and, and uh, there's a, this statistic, and you guys have probably heard it, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Have you guys ever heard that? Um, and that's not biblical. And, and like I said, our statistics and our serve teams are so different from that. There was a, a day a little while back where in a matter of about eight hours, I, I uh, was visiting um, a family at the, at the hospital, a new baby that had arrived. I was visiting someone in prison that uh, was involved with our church. I was visiting them, and then that night I was at a wedding rehearsal. And so that's just kind of the, the day in the life of a pastor, uh, and that's, that's part of my life. But really the biblical model um, is uh, elder and care for the people. And so one of the things that we're going to be approaching this year, the biblical model for the church uh, leadership is that the ownership is shared, discipleship and care and shared responsibility, not sole ownership. It's not all resting on one person to meet all the needs. If we add 100 people, it's difficult to, to care for and, and help make sure that, that you're growing and that you walk with God as it is right now. If we grow in 100 people, it, it's, it's impossible. And so we have to establish an elder and, and care system for our church. That means that, you know, hospitals, babies, just overall how you're, you're doing, how your family's doing, uh, will be in the hands of elders within our church that will help lead you and, and, and encourage you. So that's going to be something that we're going to be approaching this year as well, which I, I'm really excited about. Um, one of the realities that really the, the gospel goes forward through um, just a, a couple of things, um, and it's really us, as we leave these doors, the gospel goes forward as we go out and make disciples and share the, the good news. But it also goes forward through giving, that we're able to give and serve around the globe and here locally and gather and have this space. It goes through giving. And one of the very realities, if we're going to accomplish the things that God's called us to accomplish in the future, that our giving has to increase. It's just a reality. If we're going to do more ministry, it's going to take more money. If we're going to reach more countries, then we've got to have more money to be able to do those things. So we need to do our, our monthly giving to increase by 50%. We've been in a stage for about the past year where we've met our bills, but we haven't been able to put a whole lot away. That's just where we've been at. Um, and so we really need to begin to establish a savings um, program for our church, for our future development, and the things that we're going to accomplish here locally and globally, which I'll share about more here in just a minute. So not just giving, 
But I'm also really excited that in just a few weeks, we will be establishing our second mission continent. At the very end of our first year of 2013, God really put on my heart that we as a church are going to have global impact and influence on every single continent. And for for me to strategically pursue these relationships, 2014 was a real focus on Asia, where we connected um, with people for care and learning. We did this buy a tree thing, which we're going to continue doing. Um, and then in year two, we're going to Africa here in just a few weeks and going to Kenya, and I'm so excited about that. It's the second continent and a missional opportunity for our church. And just the approach that we have to missions is not just going for a short-term mission trip and leaving there and saying, hope you guys do well, but it's a long-term partnership. Every relationship we start, we continue. We're, see, we're, we're investing into the orphanage right now, but we're going to see it to completion, we're going to be a part of it for the next couple of years as they raise funding, $140,000 left. We're going to be a part of giving to that and get to watch God do amazing things as they get not just 20 kids off of the street, but 80 kids, as they go from 80 to 400 kids in the orphanage. So we're so excited about that. And just continuing our partnership in May, the People for Care and Learning, the Build a City project that we've been a part of in Cambodia is going to come to completion in May. And I'm so excited about that. We'll get to celebrate that together. So there's so many things. That's just I'm really just scratching the surface, and that's more than you guys can probably handle right now, but, but God's doing so much, and so much to be encouraged about as we charge in um, to really year three of ministry, um, and as we eclipse our two-year anniversary. God's going to do so much. But even beyond 2015, um, God's going to blow our mind, and that last phrase is focus on what's eternal, what's not seen, pray for that to be seen. And a few of those things that I want to share with you today is beyond 2015, the reality of it is, is we'll need a new facility on this campus at some point. We're not the type of church, we just keep building bigger churches. That's, that's not our, our mentality. or It's not about the facility. It's about us doing what God's called us to do. But there's a very much a reality for uh, us to just be able to manage what God's going to do in the coming five to ten years that we'll have to have a new facility. And so don't be shocked and a year from now when we begin to talk about what we're really going to do as a stewardship campaign to, to, to raise money for that. Um, and so don't get scared. I, I don't have a timeline. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be in a year when we start doing that. I just know that uh, I'm not going to tell you a timeline because then you'll be like, hey, you said no. I'm like, I'm not. I didn't say actually. So um, that's a reality. Um, extension campuses in the Jacksonville, the greater Jacksonville area, um, whether that's on the north side, the west side, the beaches, St. Augustine, or wherever, I don't know. Um, but that's, that's a reality of the vision that, that God's put in our heart and what we want to see God do in the coming five to ten years. Uh, church planning is at the core of it. And you may say, hey, man, there, there's enough uh, churches. Yeah, there's, there's enough churches on this street, um, but God's called us uniquely. And, and do you realize that, that more churches are closing than are opening? And for the gospel to go forward, that's a problem. And we're going to be a part of the solution. That's why God's put us here is to, to just restore trust in, in the church and, and to, to reestablish just what real biblical community looks like in, in our modern era. And so I'm excited about that. I want you to become as passionate about church planning and the gospel going forward through church planning as I am. Because that's what we see in the scriptures. Every time they would multiply, every time they'd add people to their number, they'd plant churches. And it was, it was less about a figurehead, a charismatic leader as, as a body of people who were passionate about the gospel going forward and people's lives being impacted eternally. So on that note, I want to return back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and just read and close us in prayer. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, to honor the God, honor the God who loves us. We try to persuade others, invite culture. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it's also plain to your conscience. Authentic community is part of who we are. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Talk about moving from temporary to things eternal. So now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do it any longer, moving from temporary to eternal. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone The new is here, creativity. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ not counting people's sins against this, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though he were making his appeal through me, through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I want you to stand with me today. And I just want you to bow your head, maybe close your eyes. In these next few moments, just allow God to speak to you, because Each one of us are in a different place, but I know one thing about what God's doing in all of us. He's asking us to take a step and to care about the things eternal more than we care about the things temporary. God, help us to fall greater in love with you. Help us to fall all in love with the gospel even more and more, God. That we can see these these great visions that you place in my heart, you place in our bodies, heart, God, that you you would see them and we would see them through to completion. For some of us in the house that are dealing with things of the past, God, help us to renounce those secret and shameful ways and walk in the light. God, help us to treasure your grace, not to take it for granted. God, help us to walk, to be renewed daily in your presence. To see it as a joy, as a privilege, as a priority in our life, God. God, I pray that as we face new problems, God, new obstacles, new mountains, God, it would just be a catalyst for more of your glory in and through us. That's our prayer. God, help every single person in this room, myself included, God, to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and trust, God, and believe and hope and know that everything else will be added to us. God, we surrender to you today in this moment. We surrender our lives to you. If anybody's running so far from you, God, I pray they'd be drawn near by your spirit today. We 
lay your, our lives at your feet, God. We thank you for this moment. Let's worship together.